one interesting thing is whenever we look in our history book, we realize that freedom has to be fought for. We think of the, the story of a great hero like Nathan Hale, who was a spy for um, United States after we had declared independence, and he was caught by the British and hanged, and before he was hanged, he said, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Amazing. He was willing to give his life for freedom for us. We think of people like Nelson Mandela fighting against apartheid in his country in South Africa to bring freedom to a people that were oppressed. We also think of people like William Wallace, who was mortalized, of course, by Mel Gibson. And I have a little clip of him, which I base the title of my message off of, if we have that video clip. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Yeah, we remember in history that people had to fight for freedom, right? Again and again, because it's something that people take away from us. But we don't realize that it's the exact same in our spiritual life, in our faith, the way we live as Christians. We have to fight again and again for our freedom. Last week, we we broached this subject of freedom. That's what last week's message was, and you can find it online. You can listen to it or watch it to catch up. And, And we saw that the freedom that Jesus gives us by dying on the cross for us frees us from two things. What was the first one? Does anybody remember? Sin, that's right. Okay, a couple people remembered. Some people were just too shy to say anything. He freed us from sin, but he also freed us from a second thing, right? What was it? The law. That's right. There's these two different things, these two different ditches that we can fall off on the road of our life, that there's sin that leads us and becomes our slave master. We do it at first because we think it feels good, but then all of a sudden it controls our life. And on the other end, there's law that says you have to do this, have to do this, and we're never good enough to meet the expectations of these laws and rules and expectations. And true freedom, despite what the world says, true freedom is found only in the gospel, right? So that was our starting point for this message today. So I want to jump in in verse 1 of chapter 5, where we read, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it's very simple. Our big idea today comes from this verse in this passage. Stand firm in the freedom of the gospel. We've learned already that if you want to find true freedom, it has to be in the gospel. But now we learn that people want to take away that freedom. People want to take away that freedom, and we have to stand firm in the freedom of the gospel. It's not an easy thing to do. It's something the Galatians were really struggling with, these people that Paul was writing, writing to in the first century. And this is something that he talks about again and again in 1 Corinthians 10:12 to a different church he said so if you think you are standing firm be careful that you don't fall be careful and in 1 Corinthians 16:13 he said keep alert stand firm in your faith be courageous be strong this command to stand firm is given again and again because it's easy to be pushed around Knocked out of the freedom of the gospel. So we need to stand firm. And I love the imagery of stand firm because if you've ever done any sports or athletic activity, you know that your feet are very important. Whether you're a boxer, you've got to have your feet in the right stance. You've got to stand firm. Whether you're a wrestler, it's all about your stance, getting that right. Whether you're swinging a baseball bat or a golf club, whether you're a fighter or, or doing any athletic activity, you have to get your feet firmly planted if you want to succeed. So we know this in athletics, and it's the same thing in our faith. We've got to get both feet firmly planted in our freedom so we don't get pushed around 
into slavery. So you're not burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So just like standing firm, you have to put both feet firmly planted on the ground. Just like that, we're going to have two points today. You can imagine it's one foot and the other, okay? That's what I want you to think about as we talk about today. There are two things that I want you to firmly plant so that we can keep our freedom. Our freedom. And the first one is to, to, don't let yourself, to not let yourself be pushed into legalism. So that's the first foot, okay? We, we've got to not let yourself be pushed into legalism because there are people that want to push you into the law, into this legality that you have to do these specific rules, So we're going to see this in verses 2 through 6. Would you read along with me? It says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. They've been pushed out of the grace of the gospel. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now we've talked about justification before in this series. That that's God's declaration through the blood of Jesus Christ that you um, are in the right with God. You have a right relationship with him. It's just as if I'd never sinned. And that's not based on anything we do, but completely on grace. That's what verses 4 through 6 emphasize. So we need to make sure we're not pushed away from that. Now, in Paul's day, with this church in the Galatian region, the issue was circumcision. If you think that's odd, it is kind of odd, right? I think God set up circumcision at the very beginning with Abraham because it was pretty odd. Are are you really going to be faithful? This is a weird thing you're going to have to do. From the very beginning. But now, because of Jesus Christ setting us free from sin, setting us free from law, all that we have to do is have faith in him, trust in him, decide to follow him for the rest of our lives, and we are forgiven and set free. So there is no rules that we have to follow to be in with God. There's nothing we have to do, and circumcision is one of those things. Now, I I think it's really interesting that Paul makes such an emphasis here that circumcision doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's worthless, according to him. And I think it's so interesting because he himself was circumcised. He was Jewish. He was Jewish. In a passage we'll read a little later, he'll, he'll talk about that. He was Jewish. He had been circumcised. And on top of that, Timothy, who was kind of his understudy that he took along with him to minister and to reach the Jews with the gospel, he had Timothy circumcised. So this is interesting. So why would Paul make such an emphasis? Don't let yourselves be circumcised. Don't be pushed into this camp that says you have to do that in order to be accepted by God. Well, for that, I think it's a little different, that situation, because they were trying to reach people who weren't Christians with Timothy. That's why he had him circumcised. They were trying to reach Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. So since Timothy was half Jewish, he said, okay, let's get you circumcised. But here the situation is different, because now there are people who say they are Christians saying, oh, no, no, you need to do something else. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus Christ. You must also be circumcised. So for Paul, who was circumcised, even had Timothy circumcised, he's saying now that it doesn't matter. Don't let yourselves be circumcised. Because if you do that, if you say, I'm doing this to be in the people of God, I'm doing it to be accepted by him and forgiven, then you have to fulfill the entire law. And as we've seen throughout this series, that's impossible. You can't be perfect. We all fail. 
So what Paul is saying, don't let yourself be pushed into legalism. Now, this takes on two different forms, and probably more, but these are the two that I think are the, the most outstanding with, with uh, legalism. And the first is that legalism is all about outward, outward obedience. You look good on the outside. Same thing with circumcision. It's actually an outward act, right? It's a physical thing that people could literally check on. Wouldn't it be the most pleasant thing to check on, but you could, Right? That's what the thing is. But with Jesus, he says, no, 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 it's about your heart. What's on the inside that matters. Legalism is all about outward conformity without inward conformity. But the gospel says, no, 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 what's on the inside counts just as much, more than what's on the outside. I saw this news story uh, last year, maybe you did too, that, um, that the FDA was investigating Parmesan cheese. They were investigating. They were sending out investigators. Uh, based on a tip they got, there's this Pennsylvania factory that was making what they called 100% Parmesan cheese. They went into this factory, unannounced, the FDA, right? A sting operation. And they found out that in the Parmesan cheese, there was all sorts of fillers they were putting in, including wood pulp. Yeah. Wood pulp. In fact, they found that this specific brand was being sold in Target and 3,400 other retail stores in 30 different states. So uh, Blomberg, um, Bloomberg News did a, did a study and they found out that a lot of Parmesan cheeses had somewhere between 6 and 8% filler, cellulose, not real cheese, even if they said 100%. And legally, they were allowed 2%. So this is more than the allotable amount. But that group in Pennsylvania, that specific company, they found that it, even though it said it was 100% Parmesan, it was actually 0%. 0%. There were things like um, Swiss, mozzarella, white cheddar, and cellulose, wood pulp, that made up the entire 100% Parmesan cheese. It looked like Parmesan, right? People were fooled, obviously. 3,400 stores were selling it. It must have been a pretty popular brand. I probably bought it. Maybe you did too. We had no idea that on the inside it wasn't Parmesan at all. Now, you might say that's a pretty silly thing, but in reality, there's a lot of people around us who have the outward appearance of following Jesus Christ, but inside it's just filled with wood pulp. You know what I mean? That their hearts aren't right with God. And that's what legalism is. It's on the outside you're conforming, but inside you're not. Philip Yancey wrote, I have come to see legalism in the pursuit of false purity as an elaborate scheme of grace avoidance. You can know the law by heart without knowing the heart of it. So you can obey these laws and rules that are set up, whether it's in the Bible or whether by society, because we had a lot of extra rules. Churches add extra rules. So you look good on the outside, but you don't know the reason behind those rules. You don't know the reason what God cares about, which is in your heart. Throughout the Bible, it, it talks about this idea of circumcision. Even from the beginning, wasn't supposed to be just outward. And, and in Romans 2.28, Paul picks up a verse that comes all the way from Deuteronomy. And he says, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Because if it's on the inside, God sees that. 
God sees it if your heart is right with him. Outwardly, other people can say, oh, you're growing great. Jesus had a, was pretty upset by people who were just good on the outside, right? Those people were the Pharisees of his day. Literally, the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, he really uh, gives it to them. And he says in verse 27, How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You are hypocrites. You are like tombs that are painted white. Outside those tombs look fine, but inside they are full, full of bones of dead people and all kinds of unclean things. It is the same with you. People look at you and think you are good, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and evil. This is one of those legalistic things. You look like you're following the rules. Oh, what a great righteous person. But inside, where is your heart? Where is your heart? So I don't want you to be pushed into legalism. So I want you to think about your own heart right now. I want you to examine yourself. Is my heart right with God? You may give money, but are you cheerful as you give? Are you happy to be generous with the money God has given you? What about when you're serving the poor? Do you think, oh, those people, they smell bad. Look at their clothes. Or do you say, I love these people. Do you have a heart that goes out to serve the poor and the needy? When you come in and worship on Sunday mornings, are you just singing? Or is your heart really worshiping God and how great and amazing he is? This is pretty challenging, right? It's pretty challenging because it's so easy to be pushed into legalism because everyone around you wants you to conform outwardly sometimes it's even hard when you do worship and you're you know you're raising your hands and you're really getting into it and you look around other people aren't and you're like uh oh because we get pushed pretty easily people don't even have to say anything they look at us and we get pushed into legalism right it's true i'm in there with you guys but we we have to stand firm in the freedom of the gospel so that our heart is right with God. So that's the first way that legalism plays out. But the second one is that it's all about who's in and out. That's what circumcision was. If you're circumcised, you're part of the people of God. This is a very clear delineating line. If you are circumcised, very clearly you're in with God. If you're not, you're out. Legalism gets very focused on who's in and who's out. Who's in and who's out. So this plays out in churches by, okay, are you baptized? Ooh, because if you're not you're not right with God. Or you have to be baptized in a specific way. Okay? And we do that for membership. We talk about it, but that's not how you get in with God. <laughs> we, we're very clear about that. That's not how you get right with God based on how you're baptized. Other things like church membership. You have to be a member of this church or this denomination. Sometimes it's not even enough that you're a Lutheran, but you have to be this type of Lutheran. You can't be just Baptist, but this type of Baptist, right? Or else everybody else, hmm, I don't know if they're right with God. You look down your noses. This is legalism. Who's in and who's out? It's about theological accuracy. It's about positions on theological issues or on uh, cultural issues. If you don't hold that position, you're out. We do this, don't we? And that's all legalism. You may say, well, well, Matt, isn't it important to know who's a believer and who's not? Well, yes. Yes, it is. But it's not our job to decide that. It's not our job as Christians. It's God's job. Do you remember the parables that Jesus told about the sheep and the goats or the wheat and the chaff? Who's supposed to separate those? Is it us? We're supposed to go through and be like, "Mm, I don't know, Danny. Mm." I'm picking on Danny right now. He's in. He's in. But someone else? Okay. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's not our job to do that. It's God's job. He, at the end, is going to separate the wheat 
and the chaff. He, at the end, is going to separate out the weeds. He's going to take out the goats, right? It's his job to do it, so we just need to love everyone. Our job isn't to decide who's in and who's out. We'll be faithful. We'll stay true theologically. We'll read the Bible and know what it says and try to believe it. But we're not going to judge other people. We're not about who's in and out. We're not about legalism. We're going to stand firm in the freedom of the gospel. You with me? So that's one foot. That's one foot, right? Don't let anyone push you into legalism. Don't let anyone... But then there's the second foot. And the second foot is that we need to be solid in our understanding of the truth. You need to be solid in your understanding of the truth. So that's the left foot. The right foot, you've got to not let yourself be pushed into legalism. The left foot, don't, you need to be solid in your understanding of the truth. So we're going to see this in verses 7 to 12. Paul says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they could go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So Paul here is pretty harsh on these people who are legalistic, who are confusing the Galatians. Did you see that? He says in verse 8, that kind of persuasion. In verse 7, who cut in on you? In verse um, 10, the second half, who is throwing you into confusion? It's things in their mind that they're being persuaded, that they're being thrown into this confusion away from the gospel. Paul says, I was with you, I preached the gospel. I taught you that you are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, not by anything that you do or could do. So why are you getting confused now? It's because they weren't solid in their understanding of the truth. And we need to know it backwards and forwards so that no one can confuse us. No one can cut in on us like the the runner at the race and, and lead you onto another track. You notice how uh, intense Paul is in this section, right? These are the Judaizers we've talked about throughout this book of Galatians that we've been going through. The Judaizers who said you have to do these Jewish cultural customs. You have to follow these rules. You have to be circumcised if you want to be in. These Judaizers, he calls them agitators here in verse 12. But did you notice what he said at the end? I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Okay, I'm talking about this because it's in the Bible. He was saying basically, okay, they're circumcising I don't want them to just do the tip. They should cut the whole thing off. Yeah, Paul said that. That's in the Bible. Okay, If that's kind of extreme, hey, God said it, not me. The Holy Spirit speaking through Paul wrote that, not me. But Paul says this is so important that they just need to go get out of here. In Philippians, he again uh, is dealing with some Judaizers. In Philippians 3, 4, I'm going to pick up this passage. He wrote to them, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So he he was perfect according to the law, right? Outwardly, he looked great. Verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. After he believed in Jesus Christ, all that didn't even matter. It was loss, even. 
Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Then he says this, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I uh, highlighted that word garbage because in the Greek it's the word skabala. And it could be translated as excrement or some more colorful words. That's in the Bible too. So Paul says all that stuff about following the law and being legalistic, that's all poop, right? He says people who are teaching you to do those things and not believe in Jesus Christ, they should go cut themselves where it counts. He's pretty intense about this. Because if we're saved by faith, if Jesus has done it all, if you try to add anything to it, like he said in chapter 1, you should be cursed by God. This is such an important matter that we've got to understand. And if you're thinking, well, Paul was a little unkind. Yes, but the gospel is that important. We have to get it 100% pure. Got to make sure it's organic, that there's no modifications in it, right? It's the good news. We cannot let it be messed with. And here's one of the issues that happens when you do mess it. We've talked about this because when you actually follow the law and and you're obedient to it and you're trying to follow these rules, you think you are, then you become arrogant, prideful, and self-righteous and you look down at your nose at other people. C.S. Lewis talked about this in Mere Christianity. There's this section and he, he says, you know, a lot of people think that Christianity sex is like, sex outside of marriage is the worst sin. But he, he picks this up. He says, if anyone thinks that Christians regard unchastity as the supreme vice, he is quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are the least bad of all sins. All the worst pleasures are purely spiritual. That is why a cold, self-righteous prig who goes regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. But of course, it is better to be neither. He had some hard words for people that look good on the outside, that go to church, that they're self-righteous, prideful, arrogant, think they're better than everybody else. Because it's not based on outward action. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. And our inward faith is what saves us. Amen? So that's why I want you to be solid in this truth. I want you to know justification. I want you to understand the gospel so perfectly. We're spending 11 weeks in Galatians so you get the gospel right. It's that important. We've got to be solid in the truth. So I want you to know it. I want you to know it. I I want you to study the Bible. I want you to memorize scripture. I I want you to know the gospel totally and completely. So that when someone tries to throw you into confusion or push you over, you'd say, no, 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 that's not the truth. You don't have to do that. John Owen wrote that only what God has commanded in his word should be regarded as binding. In all else, there may be liberty of actions. That's the freedom of the gospel we stand firm in. We like to make extra rules. We do. We like to do it, but we need to stand firm in the freedom of the gospel. So I want to challenge you guys. Don't make extra rules. Don't make extra rules. You you remember the scandal with Volkswagen? I guess it's still going on. But they had created software in their vehicles that could fool the EPA and other um, standards in Europe so that their, their clean diesels appeared clean, right? Huge scandal that's costing billions of dollars. It's probably going to throw them into bankruptcy. It's a major issue. But, but they were trying to, to make their own rules, right? Who, who cares? We're going to make our own rules and we're going to do it our way. And people do that. They, they make these extra rules that if you do those things, then, you're, then you look good, you're in with God. 
But the truth is, those extra rules are pretty worthless. They're pretty worthless. You know, whether it's about what you eat, what you drink, what you smoke, who you can associate with, where you can go, what music you can listen to. These are all rules that Christians, religious people, make up. And I don't know where in the Bible it says you can't listen to Led Zeppelin. Still looking for that verse. I remember one of my youth leader came in, and he was well-intentioned, and he brought in all his secular music. And he took all these CDs, and he broke them all in half, and he said, you guys should go home and do the same thing. My dad was at home listening to Led Zeppelin, right? And I was like, man, that's pretty good music. My dad's a good guy. He's been an elder of a church, a missionary. But he listens to Ozzy Osbourne. Oh. I remember the church across from ours in Colorado Springs made national headlines because the youth pastor came in. I had friends that went to this church. The youth pastor came in with a Pikachu doll and burned it and said, Pokemon are the devil. If you play the games or whatever, you are going to be in with the devil. This extra rule, you can't even play with Pokemon. Does anybody remember that? I, it came back. Like It's made a wave back again since I was in school. We make these extra rules, don't we? If you want to be right with God, you have to do these extra things. And I'm like, well, where was Pikachu in the Bible? I'm still looking for that verse. So whatever it is, these extra rules, don't give in to them. Don't make extra rules. Don't make extra rules. I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, uh, about the rules that we make for ourselves in our household. But this can go the opposite way, too. This can go the opposite way, too, that you're like so extreme that you look at Christians, they're not good enough. I've given so much money. I live in a small house so that I can be more frugal. Look at them. Larry Osborne, in his book, uh, Accidental Pharisees, wrote that a luxury car in the driveway or an expensive house is to a radical what cold beer in the refrigerator is to an old school legalist. Okay, we make these different rules, don't we? We make these extra rules. But please don't do it. Please don't do it. Be solid in your understanding of the truth and then don't add to it. Don't add to it. Okay. Some of you are wondering, well, well, Matt, don't we need some extra rules for some things? Yes. In our families, in our churches, in relationships we have, in Christian schools and the like, we set up extra rules. But we need to be absolutely clear in teaching these rules that we're doing it for a purpose. It's not how you get saved. So if you have kids at home and you're saying, I, I don't want them to watch this movie or to listen to that music, if that's your thing, to not celebrate Halloween, whatever your house rules are, you need to explain why you do those things and then be clear that that is not how you get right with God. We're doing that because we have a conviction about it. Convictions are important. In Romans 14.5, Paul explains, one person considers some days to be more sacred than others, while another person considers all days to be the same. Each person must have their own convictions. As Christians, we have freedom. We have a freedom. We're not going to add to or subtract from the gospel. But we can have convictions. We can have convictions about what we should eat, drink, smoke, who you associate with. We have these convictions, but we need to know that they are convictions between you and God, not for other people. So we, we make those in wisdom. And I, I challenge you to have convictions to pray about things. If you're unsure, is this okay for me to do or is it sin? Pray about it. Read the scriptures. Talk to people who are wiser than you because you're not as wise as you think you are. Talk to those people. Get some wisdom from them. And then after you pray through it and the Holy Spirit leads you, make a conviction and stand on it. But then don't force people to follow your convictions. You tracking with me here? 
So we don't make extra rules for other people. We can for ourselves, but they are called convictions, not law. They're not how we get right with God. So my challenge to you today, there's been some teaching on what legalism is and, and what convictions are and how we're supposed to know the truth. But my question to you is, will you stand firm in the gospel? That's it. There's freedom in the gospel. There's freedom to be led by the Spirit, which we're going to be talking about next week, how that works. But we need to stand firm in that. With our right foot, we need to make sure that no one pushes us into legalism. With our left foot, we we need to know the truth, be solid in our understanding of the truth of the gospel. So that no one will push us over. So that we won't fall into legalism. We need to stand firm. When I first uh, got to my church in Nebraska, uh, I was just a young guy right out of seminary, my first church as a pastor, and we had a church of about 60 people, and almost all of them were over 50. We had one teenager in our church when I got there, one teenager. And there was a guy from the denomination who had come for my service when they established me as the pastor. And he came up to the one teenager in our church, And he looked at her and said, you can't wear those jeans here because they had holes in them. You can't wear that here. The one teenager in the entire church he's scaring off because of his rules that he's added in. I didn't hear about this till afterwards, but I went up to this teenager and I said, you can wear whatever you want. (laughs) Just keep coming. And that guy never came back to my church. I didn't invite him back. Because we're not supposed to add extra rules. It's not about legalism. And, And thank goodness God brought a lot more teenagers into our church. After that, because it wasn't about these rules, these extra expectations that we put on people. It was about the freedom of the gospel, right? So let's stand firm in that. Let's be standing firm as a church, as individuals, as family. Fathers, would you stand firm in the freedom of the gospel? Would we declare like William Wallace, they'll never take our freedom? Let's do it. Well, the band's going to come up right now and they're going to lead us in a great song. They did last week, but I asked them to do it again, Chain Breaker, because it's so important that Jesus Christ frees us from sin, from legalism. So we're going to stand firm in that gospel today. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful that your son, Jesus Christ, died for us on the cross. We are so grateful for it. We're thankful that we do have freedom in your name. And Lord, for the person here who who this is brand new to them, maybe they don't even know the gospel, would you speak into their hearts with your Holy Spirit that they might experience the freedom from sin and the law for the first time? And for those of us who are pushed around into legalism, maybe some of us right here felt convicted and said, I have been making extra rules and judging others. Lord, would you give us repentance and forgiveness through your Holy Spirit that we could stand firm in the freedom of the gospel? Let us not be pushed to the right or to the left that we could walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit as we go out today because you alone are the chain breaker. Amen.